If you feel it, you know it. D-Rock Productions. Sports Talk with D-Raw. What's up, people? It's your boy, D-Raw, and I'm coming to you with another episode of STWD, and you know how this goes. First, I got to get into the college football recap, because unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to you guys for the college football predictions earlier in the week, on a Thursday or Friday, so we got to open it up talking about the best games and the big games, because there was a lot of big moments and a lot of upsets that came this week in college football, and look, don't be surprised if you hear me say it or if you even hear the sounds of the game. Shot, deep shot, Hendon Hooker, and Tennessee out in front of Florida with a 75-yard touchdown. Tennessee never ceases to amaze me. That was their last touchdown. They lost the game 38-14. Florida Gators handled them easily. I mean, I thought Tennessee was going to finally turn on the bright lights and maybe somebody was home inside, but <laughs> knock, knock, no no one's home. I mean, it's just they're just there, and they always get ran over. They haven't done anything in the last 21 or 22 years since Peyton Manning touched a college football. Tennessee is a big disappointment. Baylor. They dropped the stand. Now, Baylor, they always cease to amaze me because they always do, do this every year. I mean, every year they upset somebody. Every year they go out there and play hard and they get the job done. Now, I can't wait until U of H get on Baylor level now at this point. And it's crazy to say that because Baylor used to just be a whipping boy. So for them to be 4-0 and now and be, be, have been competitive for the last, what, 10 or so years, congratulations to Baylor for knocking off Iowa State, a team that was ranked, a team that had high uh, admirations and uh, predictions to go far into this season, getting knocked off. But now what I will say about Iowa State, even though they lost the game on an interception, it was, they lost 31-29, Baylor you know, pulled it off at home and things like that, Iowa State will go out and upset somebody. And I think they might just had a chance to upset Oklahoma when they play them. So be on the lookout for that, but also be on the lookout for Baylor to go out there and have a good season because this thing is about to just get going for Baylor. And it's going to be real nasty for some teams in the Big 12 uh, in the foreseeable future. Jefferson hangs in there to the last moment, and a one-handed catch. Going to be about a yard shy of the first down, but it's Burks again. Shows the Now, Arkansas proved all the haters wrong. They did what they needed to do with another upset after beating UT, taking a name, and beating Texas A&M. I am so happy to see Arkansas program turn around for the first time since Darren McFadden. Man, 
They had Traylon Burks out there just tearing them up. I mean, he had six receptions, 167 yards receiving, and he even caught a long for 85 yards with one TD. This guy was amazing. Hey, he's a top five receiving prospect. Texans need to be looking at him because we need another target outside of Brandon Cooks. But we'll talk about that a little later. But hey, I am so happy to see the Arkansas Razorbacks go out there and beat the Texas A&M Aggies and their sorry-ass quarterback by 20 to 10. So, that is what's up. Something new, something different. A new team that's going out there and making changes outside of a team named Tennessee that can't get the program together. I don't know what's going on in Tennessee, but they need to call me because I can go out there and scout for them. For sure, for sure. I'm telling you. I can find the eye candy for them, and I can get the players out there on the field with the right talent. Matter of fact, I know somebody that, you know what I mean, they should have in mind. Marcus Jones, ladies and gentlemen, up that right side, point him out. He's got blockers up ahead, 20-10, Bader, Marcus Jones in for the score. Hats off to U of H because they surprised me. Hogerson had me worried. I was feeling bad about the team. I was like, man, we're about to make this jump to the Big 12, and this is how, how we out here performing, and we're going to lose to an 0-2 Navy midshipman team? Come on now, man. That was just going to be ridiculous. But to see them come back and fight and get a victory lets me know that there is something in this U of H team that Dana Hogerson just don't know how to tap into because he's just not the coach for them. Um, and that's just my opinion. Even though they won this game, Hogerson should have did a whole lot better knowing that this is a midshipman team that's not very good. But I will say one thing in his defense, every team struggles against the triple option. It is hard as hell to stop. And they still figured out a way to stop the best triple option out there in the U U.S. and uh, Navy midshipmen. So Clayton Toon, he had went 22 for 30, 257 yards, one TD, no picks. Surprisingly, because uh, you know he's just like a pick machine. And for the moment, I was thinking like, man, we need to go ahead and get Tune out there and put that boy Ike back in the game because uh, Tune just not the answer. But it's nice to see him bounce back from a hamstring injury and come out there and deliver and actually uh, play pretty decent. You know, um, the rushing game was looking pretty solid for U of H with 127 uh, rushing yards as a team. Of course, the midshipmen had 197 yards because that's all they, they do. Um, just to even go into the midshipmen, they only took eight passing attempts. So you, you know how crazy that is, right? Um, it is nice to just see U of H get another win. This is actually the best start for Dana Hogerson in his career um, at U of H. But we're not even going to talk about the first, well, the other teams because Texas Tech should have been a win. But I don't know what happened. They just let us down in that game. Um, they supposed to beat Rice. They supposed to beat uh, Grambling. So those were two games that they supposed to easily handle. So I, would I say best start for somebody that's playing against teams that they just supposed to, supposed to just kick their ass and that's dumb, dumpster juice? Uh, not really. But to see him open up the conference and win 28-20, to 20, uh, coming back and fighting, I will give him an applause because he did his thing on the coaching part and the team did their thing on the defense, forcing the fumble and more and more so. Hopefully 
that this leads to more victories for U of H in the foreseeable future of this season and for us to get on track as far as the recruiting grounds to see that U of H is a winner because honestly, I'm tired of all the disrespect that U of H has been taking uh, since they've been chosen to get into the Big 12. A lot of people have been saying, oh, it should have been Memphis, not U of H. Are you serious? Are you really serious? You're talking about U of H versus Memphis? Um, yeah, Memphis might have won a few more games against U of H lately uh, in football, but their their stadium is garbage. I don't know what the campus is like, but I'm pretty sure it's not better than U of H. And then it's like quality of life. Would you rather stay in Memphis or would you rather stay in Houston? And the things that the Houston area offer to the Big 12, even though they already got a ton of teams in the Big 12 that's in Texas, you have the best recruiting grounds right here in Houston in the fourth largest city in America, soon to be third. So why would I choose little old Memphis over U of H? And Houston has more people than any other city that's in the Big 12. So the recruiting grounds is just amazing for them. And we're talking about the number one recruiting grounds in the U.S. Don't make that uh, pass by you, and, and that's not a mistake. So I think the Big 12 made the right decision. Now, do I think Memphis should get in? I do think so, possibly. But I don't know what the requirements of the Big 12 are. And you got to ask yourself, is Memphis really matching those requirements? You know, so moving on, man, um, let's talk about more about the college football grounds, where these teams have ended up. Um, what am I expecting moving forward? Oh, let me not forget about this one. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the roar of the North Carolina State Wolfpack crowd beating Clemson, the Clemson Tigers to be exact, by touchdown, handling up on them, and letting them know they are the future. Now, what is the future of the Clemson Tigers? They lost, they didn't handle up, they're two and two, and you have to wonder what direction will they program going will they need a new coach or it's just a season where they have a down period where they gotta you know recruit some new players and next year they'll have it all taken care of because a 27 21 loss to north carolina state is just not something to be proud of so you have to really wonder like what is the future of clemson you know does Dabo swinney leave on his own and go somewhere else like jimbo fisher or do they fire him and go in a new direction? Um, now, it's nice to say that UT hung 70 points on a Texas Tech Red Raiders team. The score was literally 70 to 35. And it's very impressive because Texas Tech usually be the team that put up points like that, you know, or has been in the past. But to see the UT Longhorns go back out and get a victory, 35 uh, points against them, and they put up 70. That is what I'm talking about, UT. Y'all are finally doing something. Now, Sarkeesian, I don't know if he's the right answer. Uh, I said he wasn't the last time because they won. I mean, they won, and then they lost 
you know, but the rebound, a loss against Arkansas, and to come out here and, and take care of the Texas Tech Ra Raiders, that is something nice for them to do. And I guess to keep you on their hype train, you know. UT is kind of like the Cowboys. It's like people have been supporting them for so long, but they haven't done anything. I mean, the Cowboys haven't done anything in, what, like 26, 27 years? It's just ridiculous. But I want to say something. SMU beat TCU. SMU didn't get no invite to the Big 12. Now, you kind of see why, right? Because I think it's SMU was in a T and TCU was in a Big 12 together. In that Southwestern Conference deal again, TCU would probably be a whipping boy, and SMU would probably continuously handle up on them because they beat them 42-34. And SMU at this point is 4-0. Um, so, hey, look out, U of H. Now, this is the biggest game of them all. Notre Dame beat Wisconsin, which they were both ranked, 41-13. I mean, they easily handled Wisconsin. Now, in the first half, it, it was very close. I mean, the defenses of both teams were playing very well. But as far as I can see, um, Notre Dame was the more dominant team. Now, this is not actually the big game that I'm talking about. The big game that I'm talking about is Cincinnati versus Notre Dame next week. Cincinnati versus Notre Dame next week, week five, you have to wonder who's going to be the big dog, who's going to run out of there and pat themselves on the back because this is going to be a nice high-ranked matchup going to Notre Dame. And you got the 3-0 Cincinnati Bears and you got the 3-0 Notre Dame Fighting Irish in Notre Dame. So, NBC kickoff, October 2nd, 2.30. You know what your boy D-Rock going to be doing. I'm going to be watching closely. And I really, really, really hope that somehow, some way, Cincinnati knocks off Notre Dame. Because if they do, the American Conference gets some highlight uh, this year. Hopefully, Cincinnati can win out. Well, whoa, 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 wait. Hopefully, Cincinnati can win every game except U of H. Somehow, I just hope the University of Houston Cougars knock them off. But at the same time, I want to say this. This is good for the future four of the Big 12 because Cincinnati is doing good. BYU is looking amazing. U of H is 3-1. and one. Um, And... UCF is not looking half bad. I mean, they had some upsets, but they still a good team. And looking at all of that, the future looks bright for the future of the Big 12, right? So I'm, I'm happy to say um, that all these teams are doing well enough right now at this point. I hope U of H can keep it consistent. I really don't want Hogerson to lose his job, but right now he just looks very questionable. But hey... I know we got to talk about the Houston Texans because that Thursday night game, I was there. And I was very, very, very disappointed. I was disappointed to the point that um, I was kind of depressed after I left the game, man. Like, I just couldn't get my mind right. I didn't know what I expected, but what I didn't expect was the Houston Texans to win. I'll be honest. I didn't expect us to win. But I did expect us to look better out there, you know, a better game plan, 
um, better adjustments, things like that. Now, I will say this, though. David Cully is not a bad coach. After looking at him coach these couple games and uh, noticing, you know, you have to realize the Texans really don't have much talent. Um, they really don't, you know. And some of, the, some of the guys are new with Davis Mills, of course. Davis Mills didn't really get the chance to take all the, the snaps that he needed to be prepared to run with the ones versus the twos. Um, but I can't really say anything bad about him. I mean, of course, he can, you know, do better at reading plays on the defense and uh, making adjustments at the line and stuff like that. But that's going to come with time. 19 for 28, 168 yards, one TD, no picks. It's great. No picks. He took care of the ball. You knew he you knew he had uh, confidence in the pocket, and he did what he had to do. Sam Darnold went out there and did 23 for 34, 304 yards, no TDs, no interceptions. Um, he was sacked three times, and Davis Mills was sacked four times. Now, honestly, when I'm looking at them two, I don't see a big difference between Davis and Sam Darnold. And Darnold been in the league for, what, like three years now? So, on the high side, on the high side, uh, Davis Mills looks like he has a lot of potential. He just doesn't have any weapons besides Brandon Cooks. Now, remember I was talking about Brandon Cooks earlier. Brandon Cooks had nine receptions, man. He had five more receptions than the next two closest people that was catching balls. And me being at the game, he was the only one that was really dependable out there on the field that you knew would catch the ball. I mean, I didn't see Davis Mills throw to Jordan Aikens like two or three times and Aikens dropped the ball. Anthony Miller wasn't on the same, I don't know, they wasn't running the same play with Anthony Miller and, and, and Davis Mills. And you really don't know who fought it is because you got a guy that's coming back off of an injury that's been out for, you know, since the, what, like the beginning of the season. You got a rookie quarterback that's still learning the plays. So looking at that, you really don't know who fought it is. You know, it is. And then, man, the, the offensive line was just garbage. They are some horrible run blockers, bro. I mean, we had 42 yards as a team rushing. 42. Christian McCaffrey tour was tearing. I would say he was tearing the Carolina Panthers up. Unfortunately, Christian McCaffrey had got hurt. So, with his injury... Came in Chuba Hubbard, which he pretty much just took over what McCaffrey was doing. He kept tearing the Texans up, but not at the elite rate of McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey was like dragging people. He was juking people and all kind of crazy shit. Catching the ball in the backfield. You know what McCaffrey does, man. He did, and it was in a small sample size. Uh, when McCaffrey was in the game, I'm not going to lie. It looked pretty bad for the Texans. But with Chuba getting in, getting in the game and not being as dominant and as good as McCaffrey, uh, we actually had a chance, you know, going into halftime. The score was only seven to six, so I'm like, okay, the Texans can do something. McCaffrey not coming back. What what do we have to offer? Man, the Panthers defense stuffed the run on us every time, so we became one dimensional. And Davis Mills didn't really have many targets, and he's a rookie that's not getting enough snaps and stuff like that. So that win just 
left our hands easily and, and it just fell right towards the Panthers. The Texans lose 24 to 9 and I am disappointed. Um, moving on. Let's go ahead and make our NFL predictions for the rest of the week. And, you know, we got Washington in the Bills. Washington has a great defense. Bills have Josh Allen. Um, you you got to go. You got to go with Bills on here. The Bills at home. You know, the Bills mafia is crazy. I don't think Taylor Henneke has enough. Um, I don't think he has enough <clears throat> into his game. To get them over the bills. And that's all I can really say about that. I mean, pretty disappointing, but facts is facts, right? Bears and Browns. That's easy. Browns gonna win. Browns probably gonna blow them out. Justin Fields gets his first start. I don't think he can read the defense well enough yet, as I've heard. So I would easily take the Browns by I would say two touchdowns, honestly, over the Bears because their 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 offense is just not dynamic enough to succeed and have a successful season um, this year. Chiefs and Chargers, great division uh, rivalry. Chiefs going to take this though, even though the Chargers have an amazing offense as well. Very dynamic, got some nice weapons in the backfield. Justin Herbert will go out there and put up a fight. Chargers do have a solid defense, but I just think the Chiefs might be able to edge away with the victory. Although the Chiefs defense is not all that good, the Chargers will not be able to run away with the victory at Arrowhead Stadium. So I will take the Chiefs by seven points or better. Saints and Patriots. I look for the Patriots to go out here and try to handle up on the Saints, but I also look for the Saints to have a comeback uh, victory, you know, the rebound, take over the Patriots Stadium and get them a little victory. I think I could see the Saints winning by three points. Jameis Winston has to come out there and rebound as well and prove that he's ready to go out there and be the starting quarterback in New Orleans. Cardinals and Jaguar. Trevor Lawrence go out there and get him another L at home in Jacksonville. And at this point, you have to start calling and trying to figure out who's going to be the next coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars because it won't be long before they be looking for a new one as their current coach will be going to USC. So Cardinals will run away with this win and go on to be 3-0. and DeAndre Hopkins will have a big game today and they will sack the shit out of Trevor Lawrence forever until this 60-minute game comes to an end. <laughs> Raiders and Dolphins. Raiders will go out there and rebound against what was uh, an upset against them last year at the end of the season and dominate the Dolphins at home in Vegas. I look forward to seeing the Dolphins losing this game, especially with their number one quarterback being out and Jac Jacoby Brissett having to take over. Even though Brissett is not a bad quarterback, Derek Carr will go out there and continue to go on and have an MVP caliber season. Packers and 49ers. This will be a nice matchup tonight. Prime time Sunday night. Man, I think the Packers gonna lose though. Aaron Rodgers will be back near his home 
and he will lose to his favorite team of his childhood. The 49ers will pull it off. Jimmy Garoppolo will go out there and have another amazing game, and Trey Lance will sit on the bench and continue to learn from the veteran. 49ers by a touchdown or more, even though the line is three in favor of the 49ers. I take them by a touchdown with the over and under being 50 and a half. I will go under 50 and a half because it won't be high scoring. Monday night, you got to talk about the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. They always get the primetime games every time they face each other. And I'm going to go lean in Dak Prescott's uh, hand basket because Dak will pull off this win. He will have a big game. Dallas by three and a half, but I would take Dallas by 12. And that's just my opinion. The over and under being 51 and a half, Dallas will win away, run away with the win. Win, win, win. Dallas is in. Now, there's a discussion about an 18-game season possibly happening in the NFL in short term. Now, I think this is a bad, bad idea, and I hope none of the players buy into this. As much as I love football and I have more football, I just don't think that the rosters are deep enough. I don't think the talent level is great enough to just be having an 18-game season. And honestly, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have a two-game preseason and then play 18 games? And how many bye weeks are we going to have, you know? And then we still got to go into the playoffs and all that. You know, it's pretty crazy. I think 18 games is just too much. I think 17 is just right. But, I mean, of course, we love football. We love to see more and more football. But you got to think about the players' health. The players have been getting hurt more and more every year. I mean, it's been more hamstring tears, more concussions, and so on and so, you name it. Rib injuries, bruises, all of that. Now, in favor of the players, if they get an 18-game season with these TV contracts, uh, windows coming to a close and them expecting to, you know, uh, emerge with a new TV contract plan. I'm looking forward to the players getting more money. And if it's a lot more money and it's worth them playing an extra game again, then, hey, so be it. Buy into it, NFL, you know. But you got to ask yourself, will this stop the NFL? Will this make players sit out? And them in the NFL season and actually have to go through and get new deals going and new contracts set up to where the players are getting enough money. I don't know. But honestly, I would actually hope so because there needs to be some changes in the in the favor of the NFL players. And I've been saying this on a um first and second episode, I believe, ever. I Put that out there right away that the NFL players need more control of what's going on in the NFL and what's going on with them so they can succeed um, as a brand and, and move forward. So fair is fair. And, and that's just my opinion. And I hope the best comes out of the the uh, NFL and the GMs and the players and, and more. A quick update on the Houston Astros. The Astros are 91 and 64, I believe, and we have lost three games straight. We have lost to Oakland too many times uh, in the last three days, basically, or two days. 
And today we take on Oakland at 4.07 p.m. Eastern Time. Oakland is 84-71. and 71. They're trying to get into the playoffs, and they're still fighting. Um, Houston is favored to win this game. I hope Houston can pull it off because three games in a row um, with losses is not good, especially at the end of the season. It's almost October. I mean, literally, it's about to be October. And the Astros need to be turning on the Jets and getting it going because they're going to have to play some play some playoff baseball. And I look forward to seeing some some good stats out there. I, I need the Astros to go ahead and clinch the playoffs, get in there, and take care of business. Dusty Baker needs to make better decisions week in and week out and stop making these Dumbo calls and Dumbo uh, rotations and get the right people in the game so the Astros can win and win it all. We need to win big. I'm tired of all of this, Dusty. I know, I think this is Dusty last year, and I honestly hope they don't bring him back because this old way of thinking and thinking he know it all that hasn't worked for him in the past with the past teams, he needs to get over himself, and he needs to do it right and do it right now. And I have to close out this episode with some sad and bad news. Um, Rest in peace to the mother and child that fell to their deaths at the San Diego Padres game from the third level. I feel bad for the family. Uh, Condolences to them. And hey, Sports Talk with D-Raw has came to you with another episode. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow at STWD Live. And hey, if you want to call, call us at 281-909-4727. 281-909-4727. And we will listen to your message. You can even text us what you have to say, and we will get back to you through the next podcast.